For today's episode, just to give you a heads up, I am always pursuing emotional and physical safety with my listeners, and this podcast episode does contain sensitive content. Welcome to your Breakthrough Blueprint. I'm your host, Becky Oste, a trauma-informed marriage coach. After a decade of failed efforts, I transformed my marriage, parenting, business, and health in just six months by learning how to repair my nervous system and move trauma out of my body. And now I'm here to help you do the same thing. Get ready to hear inspirational stories and walk away with tangible guidance on how to design your blueprint to your breakthrough life. Welcome back to another episode. I'm so excited about my guest today, and you should be too. This is going to be a conversation so worth your listen. I have Jake Kaufman here. Before I intro you, Jake, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Becky. Thanks so much again for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk. My clients have already gotten a taste of you, and now the entire podcast audience will get a taste of Jake. And for those of you who don't already know who Jake Kaufman is, he's a personal transformation coach to seven and eight figure purpose driven coaches, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. He supports other conscious entrepreneurs in expanding themselves personally so that they can exponentially grow professionally. He has coached hundreds of the top online coaches, consultants, and CEOs to radically transform themselves and unlock their full potential in order to reach the next level of their purpose. His unique approach to high-performance coaching can best be described as the intersection between personal development and business strategy. Personally, he's my coach's coach, so you're like my grandfather (laughs) in the coaching world. (laughs) Grandpa Jake. I love it. So excited to have you on, Jake. So tell us a little bit about you, you know, where you're from, where you are now, just a little bit of personal get to know Jake. Yeah. So I was born and raised in the Midwest in a tiny town in Michigan, about a thousand people. I went to college in Minnesota, actually. So I stuck to the cold until eventually venturing out to and, and moving to Los Angeles, California. And now I reside in Atlanta, Georgia. So quite the extremes. Mm -hmm. So we're going to dive into all things, you know, that you do now and just the ways that you've transformed your client's life, but beginning kind of with what brought you to this point that you're at now, which you're, you're shining and you're helping other people shine. What have you been through as comfortable as you feel to share? What have you been through that's led you to become just this well of depth and compassion and guidance for others? Yeah, thank you for asking. Well, I guess we'll go back to the beginning. So growing up, I experienced a a fair amount of abuse, which was highlighted by experiencing sexual abuse when I was right around 12 or 13 at summer camp, which, as you can probably imagine, completely turned my entire world upside down, especially because the incident happened in front of all the friends that I had grown up with, that I had known K through 12. (laughs) Obviously, we we weren't uh, in high school yet, but I had grown up with all these kids in the same church, in the same town, in the same school, and none of them tried to interject or stop the abuse from happening. And so not only was there the initial incident, but there was what happened around me and then what happened after the fact, because it kind of followed me around, as you can probably imagine, because 
it wasn't done in secret or in silence. A lot of people knew about it. And so now it became this cloud that just followed me around through middle school, through high school. And I was one of those kids that was like, I can't wait to leave and get out of here. And that's exactly what I did because on some level, I just needed to to run away from the pain. And that's what I found myself doing. Unconsciously, I started to wear these different masks in order to not have to deal with the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment, the bitterness, the sadness, the resentment, all those uncomfortable emotions that I wanted nothing more than to just ignore and repress. And so I started to wear these masks and act as if, as I like to say, I acted as if I was fine, that I had it all together, that I was successful. And so from the outside looking in, you would think that, well, Jake's got it all together. He's a three-sport athlete, excels at academics, really successful later on, you know, when I started to enter the workforce. And that was the point because if I could basically position myself as superior, then the idea was that you you couldn't hurt me, you couldn't take advantage of me. And eventually, over time, it had me sabotage my success. So I got fired from every professional job I ever had. It had me push away love, keep people at arm's length because letting people in and allowing them to truly see me felt fundamentally unsafe after the abuse. Now, like I mentioned, a lot of this was happening unconsciously, but I started to pick up on the fact that, okay, there's a pattern here. (laughs) I'm continuing to get fired time and time again. I'm continuing to sabotage my success time and time again. I'll get to a certain point, to a certain depth in relationship, and then I'll sabotage the relationship. So what's going on? I need to kind of take a deep dive, a deeper look into what's actually driving or motivating the behavior patterns that's creating these results. And like I tell with my clients, the pattern always always reveals the problem. I didn't have language for it then, but it sent me down this path of of personal development and self-growth. And that's when I discovered that, oh, this abuse that I went through, that I experienced, was really the catalyst in many ways for who I became, my personality. Personality just derives from the word, the Latin word persona, which literally means mask. So I've just been wearing various different types of masks over the last 10, 15 years in an attempt to not feel or experience this pain. But it's this pain that's kind of serving as these invisible anchors that's that's holding me down, that's preventing me from creating the type of life that I want to create, being as successful as I want to be, and attracting love and letting love in. And that's why I ultimately titled the book what I did. So it wasn't until I started to heal from the pain from the past and and reconcile that was I able to stop recycling in the present. Wow. Yeah. And we're, we want to talk all about that book too, before this episode is over, we'll dive into what the book is about, but what you just said, the pain from the past were like invisible anchors. You do have a gift with your words, by the way, from everything I've read on your Instagram, you know, thank you for just describing what so many people are, don't have words for, you know, I think you have a gift with being able to put words to people's experiences and the amount of vulnerability too that you're mm-hmm. able to have. I imagine it wasn't always that easy to be this vulnerable about this, what you've been through with the abuse. 
I'm curious, did you talk to anyone about it at first? You know, at 12, 13 year old Jake, was there any kind of safe space for you to process that? No, not at all. Because when it happened, it was kind of brushed under under the rug and treated like it was a joke, even though it was clearly uh, not that. <laughs> and but in an attempt to not have to deal with the the pain that I the very real pain that I felt, I simply mirrored other people's response to the incident. So I brushed it under the rug myself. I treated it like a joke, like everyone else. And I repressed the experience. And, and like I mentioned, at first, that was really easy, uh, or at least that felt easier until later on in my 20s, 15 years later, I start to realize, okay, I'm self-sabotaging, which now I know is, is just self-protection. That's all self-sabotage is. Why am I doing this? There has to be something deeper going on beneath the surface that I am unaware of that's causing me to continue to hold myself back and and not be able to attract or create the type of life, the type of abundance, opportunity, love that I'm ultimately desiring. And And we find this, I'm sure you find this true with your clients, but whenever you know, someone's conscious desires consistently, repeatedly over time do not match their results. That's typically indicative that there's this block, whether it's a belief that they have about themselves or their capabilities or their identity that prevents them from taking the necessary risks, taking the necessary action that they need to in order to grow. And that's what I found was happening with me was desiring more for myself, a greater degree of abundance, opportunity, love, but on some level being incapable of creating that. Or if I did, like I mentioned earlier, sabotaging it. So I got to this point, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired, as they say, and I decided to do something about it. And that's what sent me down the road of personal development and ultimately put me on the path to doing what I'm doing today. I think everyone can resonate with that, that we have these blocks, you know, that there's this dissonance, this disconnect between where we want to be, what we say we want out of life. And yet here we are decades later, still spinning our wheels in the same position, whether it is in our career or relationship. And I remember when you came in and spoke to my girls, my clients, when yeah. you introduced yourself, I remember you saying, you know, basically the reason men hire me is because I simply see things they don't. And I so, see I, I see things that they can't. That they cannot. Yep. So I'm going to guess too, like for you, you had your own blind spots as well mm-hmm. for a while. How did you first see your own blocks and what did that healing process look like for you? Great question. So to speak more into the the block, the blocks that we all have that prevent us from growing to the degree or as quickly as we would like, the primary goal of the ego is to maintain the status quo. And the best way for it to do that is to hide the truth from you. The truth being, what are my beliefs? What is my identity? Because it's those things that determine our thoughts, our energy, our attitude, and our actions. And our actions, of course, are responsible for all the results that we experience in every area of our life. Well, 
our beliefs and our identity reside in our unconscious mind. And it's responsible for 90 to 95% of our behavior. And so until we dig into our blind spots, we're likely going to continue to run into these different roadblocks or barriers, or we're just not going to grow as quickly as we'd like. Because even if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a growth-minded person like yourself, what's one of the plights of being a growth-minded person? You're constantly plateauing. You're constantly reaching new levels of growth or upper limits where we innately experience resistance. Now, it's not that that resistance is a bad thing, because I believe that that resistance molds us and shapes us, but it's in those moments that we are most prone to self-sabotage in an attempt to return to our comfort zone. And so for me, I started to work with a spiritual counselor because I was like, again, something's going on that I'm not fully aware of that's holding me back, that's not allowing me to reach my full potential in, in terms of career and success, opportunity and love. And I need to figure out what that is. And it wasn't until I brought up in one of our sessions that I was terrified of intimacy. And I really struggled to open up to friends, to family, and that I was holding most people at arm's length. I would let them see a little bit, but I would need to be kind of be in control of that situation because connection, intimacy scared me. He's like, well, where do you think that comes from? And I was like, I don't know. And so I started to detail events from the past um, at his encouragement that might have created fear around intimacy and connection. And when I talked about the experience at summer camp, I just kind of glazed over it. And I'll never forget the look on his face where he was like, wait, 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 go back. Like what, what happened? And I just remember the look on his face was like just disgust and a mix of sadness, disturb. Mm. Like it, it was just a very painful look on his face. And that's what allowed me to kind of connect the dots. And then he asked me, he's like, have you ever thought about what that experience was? And that's when I connected to the pain of the experience and was like, oh, that that was abuse mm. and he was like yeah yeah it was and that's when i first started to grieve the pain from that experience 15 years later when i was 27 28 years old and like i mentioned that's what really sent me down the road of personal development and 4 years later so now we kind of pick up with where i started writing the book <laughs> Four years later, after a lot of coaching and therapy and healing, I felt in a really good place to share about my story because I thought other people could benefit from, from hearing my story because in my at this point in time, now I'm a coach and I'm supporting and serving other people in their personal development so that they can excel and thrive in all areas of life. And... I felt that other people could benefit from hearing my story because so many people have gone through something similar, but haven't shared it with anyone. Mm -hmm. And so I posted my story on social media, again, thinking that I was in a good place to, to share it, to talk about it. I've experienced a lot of healing around it and my nervous system collapsed. So I suffered from what is clinically referred to as an acute nervous system breakdown. The amount of connection the amount of input that sharing my story on social media created because now everyone 
knows what I went through. This shameful secret that I've been harboring, that I've been burying for 20 years at this point, is now out there and everyone knows about it. Friends, family, strangers, clients now know about this this terrible experience that I went through. And it just overwhelmed my nervous system to the point where it collapsed. And so I, I immediately started vomiting, vertigo, nausea, uncontrollable crying. I essentially had a panic attack on steroids. And that set off a chain of events where I started to regularly experience panic attacks where I really started to grieve all aspects of the abuse. Because like I mentioned, it wasn't just the incident in and of itself that was traumatizing. It was what was going on beforehand, what was going on around me when it happened. And then of course, what happened after the fact and how it followed me around through middle school, through high school, I was bullied because of what happened. So there were all of these different facets of the abuse that went way beyond just the original incident mm -hmm. that I started to grieve to a deeper degree than I ever had before uh, because of how multifaceted the experience was and how many how many implications there were. And at the encouragement of my therapist, started to journal about my experience and what was coming up for me to support me in processing through that pain. And it became a book. Man, Jake, when you were describing your counselor's face, the expression on his face, I got chills all over my body and started to tear up just as you described, you know, his mix of sadness and disgust. And, you know, I have a son, he's six year old, six years old. Mm -hmm. So just imagining you as this innocent 12 year old boy, like it, I feel the same way, you know, and I am grateful that you've been able to share and work through so much, but it makes sense to how terrified you were of intimacy. And that's actually one of the most common things that my clients come into my program with is just a fear of intimacy. And sometimes mm -hmm. it is from a big T trauma like that. They've experienced sure. sexual abuse. Others, they haven't. It's there's more shame because they don't have, you know, a story like that. Of like, it doesn't make sense. Why do I have such huge intimacy blocks? You know, when my husband sure. touched me or approach me. Um, and then we dig deeper and we often find there's some sort of like a series of paper cuts. You might call them like little T traumas sure. all building up from neglect or not being touched themselves or, you know, needs met emotionally for them growing up but it is really common and very not talked about and i'm grateful that you have a platform now to share about it and that your book is going to be able to you know just bring bring down the shame and bring the collective compassion and healing to so many people who have been through this one question i have is when it comes to detailing events from the past mm -hmm. like you said yeah sharing about what happened to you. And I know when you came into my space, you were talking to my clients about don't go too fast, too hard, too soon when it comes to healing. You know, there's yeah. like a, a window of safety there. Can you talk about when people are healing and wanting to maybe talk about this in their own lives for the first time, um, how not to re-traumatize themselves? Yeah, it's a really great question. So Trauma is defined as anything that is too much, too soon, too fast. So it is important to understand that when you are talking about 
trauma, you're unpacking incredibly painful events from the past that have these wide ranging implications like my abuse does. Even, even the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. So I say that to say, even though healing is necessary for all of us, in my opinion, to create the life that we really want to have, to be able to attract, hold, maintain the things that we really want to experience in this lifetime, healing is incredibly necessary. However, we have to go at a pace that is safe to our nervous system. Because otherwise, we do run the risk of, like you mentioned, re-traumatizing ourselves altogether. Because what the level to which we are experiencing in that moment is overwhelming and will send us into a state of hypervigilance where we end up doing more harm than good. And unfortunately, that's why the coaching space can get a bad rap because a lot of coaches are not trauma-informed to the point of knowing when to support their clients in regulating their nervous system that says, hey, how much of this can you do and still still feel safe? The big question that comes with permission, permission to step into healing, step into unpacking pain from the past, is answering this question, how much of this can I do and still feel safe? We want to stretch the muscle, but we don't want to strain it. So it's got to be stretchy and doable, but not straining and debilitating. And how we know the difference between those two things is is the timetable for recovery. If you go to the gym and put in a good workout, it's normal to be sore for a day or two. But if you go to the gym and you put in a really hard workout and you're sore for two, three weeks, you probably injured yourself. Mm-hmm. You, pushed your, you pushed yourself too hard and too far. And, and now you need this prolonged recovery window in order to, to then be able to go back to the gym. The same is true for the work that we're talking about right now, which is, is healing and personal development work. It's normal when you're doing this work to, to need a little bit of a buffer to kind of come back to yourself, if you will, or to downregulate, because it is very activating to talk about a lot of these painful experiences that people have had, even if it's not big T trauma. And that's, that's often a big misconception. Trauma is much less about what happened to us, and it's much more about how we internalized it. So even if you didn't experience abuse or assault or an acute accident or injury, how you internalize what has happened to you, even if it's like little t trauma, like neglect, like abandonment, like heartbreak, those can have deep-seated implications depending on how you, the person who experienced them, internalized those experiences, the beliefs that you made up as a result about yourself, about other people, about how you fit in or relate to other people, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, we want to step into healing in a way that is is safe and approachable. I love that. Thank you for explaining that. And what you said with trauma being much less what happened to you, but more how you internalized it and even mm-hmm. how people showed up for you after that can determine so much of how quickly you heal from a trauma. And with your experience, it was like 
you know, X's on all offenses. Like the trauma itself right. that happened to you was yep. terrible. But then on top of it, like you said, it was this multifaceted, how people didn't stand up for you and step in. And then it was turned into a joke. And I just can't imagine how much you internalized, you know, over all of those years. You know, the book, The Body Keeps the Score. The- I do. Yes. Uh, very great book. Really good. So the author, Dr. You know, Besser van der Kolk, all of his work, it was based off of that simple noticing of what you're talking about, that these war yeah. veterans, they lived in this recycled trance from the mm-hmm. past. They couldn't snap out of their history to yep. the total neglect of themselves, their wives, their children. So this, it sounds like you've experienced tell us why Jake, why do we relive mm-hmm. our past? Are we trying to torture ourselves? Like why are these constant ruminating thoughts that gets, get us stuck from living in the present? Sure. Well, like I mentioned, the primary goal of the ego is to maintain the status quo. So if you have had a painful traumatic experience happen to you, the focus, if you've experienced a difficult cycle, whatever that cycle is, your stance fundamentally is going to now become not repeating that challenging cycle. So you'll be locked in a trance, as you said, where your focus, your energy, and your attention is negatively motivated. And it's primarily geared towards preventing something from happening rather than creating a specific outcome. So for example, you used um, you know, these war veterans as an example, where they're caught in this trance that in many ways had them ignore their wives, their children. Well, that, that kind of requires, if you're thinking about stepping into connection, stepping into intimacy, being relational in your thinking and in your behavior, that requires a certain level of proactivity. So you you need to step into a proactive energy that is moving towards a specific outcome. But if your dominant predisposition has become preventing something or running away from something, you're not going to be able to access that way of being or doing because you're going to be so focused on preventing something from the past happening again. So there their ego, the self-protective part of their psyche that's meant to keep them away from harm is working perfectly. It's just completely ineffective when it comes to thriving, when it comes to stepping into relational thinking or behaving in a way that allows them to delve deeper into connection and relationship with their partner, with their spouse, with their kids, with their friends, with their coworkers because their stance is predominantly against something as opposed to in favor of something. Your dominant way, if it's been preventing something from happening, you need to start stepping into this proactive energy. So it's not that your body's broken, your body's actually working properly to protect you. But like you said, it's totally ineffective. It takes proactive energy to step out of that survival mode and into this Mm -hmm. thriving life that we all want, whether it is career relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, right. But it requires that we do the deeper healing work first. Our ego would always rather, always, always rather be right about what doesn't serve us than wrong about what does always. And so 
it is not as simple as this conscious knowing that this doesn't serve me and this does. So I'm just going to go and do that thing. It, it's, I wish it was that simple, <laughs> right? Because our, our conscious mind only is responsible for five to 10% of our behavior. It's our unconscious beliefs, identity, and motivations that determine the vast majority of our actions and our decisions. And so we have to do this deeper deconstructive work, healing work, if we hope to step into reconstruction. Whereas when all of a sudden our focus naturally shifts toward what do I want to pursue? What am I committed to creating? What's my vision? That that transition will start to happen naturally, all on its own, as my nervous system increases its felt sense of safety so that I no longer am in this stance of Mm self-protecting so that I can then shift my focus so that I can then start to create new thought patterns, which is going to create a different attitude, a different dominant energy in my body, which is going to lead to different actions and different decisions. It'll have a ripple. It'll have a ripple effect. Yeah. And I want to hear more about the deep work that you get to do with your clients, because I know you from Justin and, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been in Justin's coaching program for six months now, but I remember when it was like, all of a sudden, Justin got real deep. (laughs) It made me want to know, like, (laughs) who's your mentor? What's this guy doing? Yeah. yeah, He went on this retreat with you to, I think, was it Zion National Park? Yeah. Zion National Park in Utah. Which I'm jealous. That's on my list. I want to go. looks beautiful it's a gorgeous park but like why is your coaching this deep deconstructive and reconstructive work you're doing with some of Mm -hmm. the most you know successful you know accomplished wealthy men on the planet but you seem to have such a a gentle approach too which can seem counterintuitive in the man world so why is your coaching so effective so my coaching is effective because Our life, our relationships, and our business expands in direct proportion to our felt sense of safety. The safer I feel within myself, when it comes to my own self-esteem, self-trust, confidence, but also my somatic resilience, soma meaning body, the more internal resilience I have, the more risks I'm going to take, which we know are required in order for us to grow, right? We, not to be cliche, but we have to step outside of our comfort zone if we hope to grow. That is going to feel like a risk to our bodies on a somatic level, right? It creates a little bit of anxiety, butterflies in the stomach, tightness in the chest, pressure, strain in the shoulders, in the neck. But the more we do that, the more resilience we cultivate. And they've actually done a lot of studies on this. The Harvard School of Business sought to determine what is the number one most important personality trait or characteristic for the world's most successful entrepreneurs. And they determined that it was resilience. So we have to build up somatically within our bodies, within our nervous systems, a certain level of resilience that says, I can trust myself to take risks that are going to inherently lead to growth. Otherwise, we're not going to do it. We're going to we're going to continue to operate in our comfort zone. So, 
we talked about a lot of the deconstruction work that I do. Most coaches, first and foremost, they focus on the reconstruction work that their clients are coming to them to support them with. I want you to help me in making more money. I want you to help me in developing a greater degree of intimacy between my partner and myself, my my wife or my husband. I want you to help me create or generate this outcome, whatever this outcome is. But first and foremost, we need to start the conversation with, well, what has been getting in the way of you achieving that to begin with? Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So reconstruction work without deconstruction work will always be incomplete and insufficient. You can do it uh, in the same way that you can build a house on sand. You can build a house on sand, but what happens when the storm comes? The home is washed away. And we see this all the time with the clients that we work with. Oftentimes, they will achieve incredible results, but what ends up happening when they experience some type of hardship, whether it's personal hardship, whether it's professional hardship, because they haven't done the necessary deconstruction work first, the foundation isn't solid. And so we often see them sabotaging or not being able to hold, maintain, sustain, or nurture the results that they've created, and they end up regressing. See this all the time. You've probably heard the stats around lottery winners. Over 70% of them are either broke or in a worse position financially 18 months after having won the lottery. Why is that? Because the results that they experienced far surpass their internal somatic threshold, meaning they don't feel safe on some level experiencing that degree of results because they haven't cultivated the internal resilience that they need to hold, maintain, sustain, or even nurture those results. And they have to return to safety. So what do they start doing? They start spending frivolously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and irresponsibly. And 18 months later, they're broke or in they're in a worse position financially. We see this with entrepreneurs all the time. They experience a high degree of success. They haven't done the necessary internal work that's required to be able to hold, maintain, sustain, or nurture those results. And they regress or they're unhappy and unfulfilled. And they don't know why because all they've been doing is performing their way around the pain. Mm -hmm. Even though they got to the next level, the pain is still there. Now we've just put more money or more success or more abundance on top of it. And what do they say that money really does to people? It doesn't change people. It exposes people. Mm -hmm. So all it does is it makes your wounds, your pain from the past that much more prevalent. And so, and this is just an incredibly common, unfortunate reality that we see where people come to us and they're incredibly successful. They've built amazing businesses. And yet on some deep inherent level, they're unhappy, they're unfulfilled. They're not, they're not at peace internally. They're anxious because in all likelihood, they've been repressing the less than ideal qualities about themselves and they've been posturing the ideal qualities about themselves and further, you know, reinforcing and building those up. Well, all that does is set you up for a life of performance, Mm -hmm. which is exactly what happened with me after I was abused. Mm -hmm. I I rejected the experience 
And the beliefs that I made up about myself as a result, the beliefs that I made up about love and intimacy as a result, that it wasn't safe, that I couldn't trust people, that they would only hurt me. And then I put my ideal qualities and characteristics on a pedestal and sought to further position, bolster, and posture those different things. That creates a pressure cooker. It sets you up for a life of performance. And men especially are dying to break free from that pressure cooker. They just don't have any idea that it's even going on in the first place because so much of this is happening unconsciously. But all you need to do is look at the amount of men who commit suicide, who struggle with anxiety and depression. Those figures are skyrocketing. They're absolutely skyrocketing. One in five men report not having any close male friendships, men in general, and this is not just exclusive to men, it's just that my work has predominantly focused on men over the past few years. Most men find themselves living inside of this pressure cooker because this is what this is what religion does, and this is what authoritarian parenting does, is it has you reject these less than ideal qualities about yourself, further highlight position, the ideal qualities about yourself, which just sets you up for a life of performance and puts you inside of a pressure cooker. And when that happens, you're going to need a coping mechanism. And now those coping mechanisms look different for everybody. But another way to put it is you're going to need a way to avoid. And it's just that a lot of men are turning to, yes, drugs, alcohol, pornography in order to avoid. But a lot of men are turning to success, money, career, even working out, crafting the perfect image, yeah. right? And I was guilty of all of these things yeah. up until I was like, okay, <laughs> I have no problem creating success. It's it's like holding on to it. It's nurturing it that I have a difficult time with. Same song, different dance, same package, different bow. It looks slightly different for everybody. But when I start talking to men and digging beneath the surface around what's really going on, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. it's all the same. And so that's why my coaching works is because we start at the level of deconstruction. We start with your beliefs. We start with your identity. We start with your relationship with yourself, which is the foundation of your business, of your relationship with your spouse, of your health. Once we have the foundation firm, secure, and solid, then we can build whatever we want on top of it. That's when we step into the reconstruction component, which looks like, okay, what are your goals? What do you really want to accomplish? What's your purpose that is bigger than you, that goes beyond you, that you feel called to step into? Now that we have the foundation firmly, solidly in place, now we can talk about that. So good, Jake. And this is why I'll just keep having you on the podcast because that'd be great. <laughs> this is how you know I get my coaching from you. I I love everything that you have to share, and it's a joke that we have to wrap up in a few minutes because I could ask you a million more questions. But one last question I'll ask you is: yeah. I know you are in a relationship. You're dating Carrie mm-hmm. Ford, yeah. Right? Who I kid you not, when I first saw her coming in as a guest expert on nervous system repair to Justin's, you know, financial coaching container. My comment below her picture was, is she even real? This woman is gorgeous. <laughs> and then when I met her and found out she was an Enneagram type one like me, I instantly loved her. But, oh, okay. Yep. You're an Enneagram one. Awesome. And you're a three, right? No, I'm a seven. Oh, 
okay. You're the fun one. I need sevens in my life. Everyone yeah. needs a seven. That's amazing. Now I can see why you guys connect. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you go to, you go to seven in growth. Yes. Yeah. When I'm yeah. in my healthy space, yeah, I'm adventurous, spontaneous, but mm-hmm. so with Carrie, I, I am curious because so many of my listeners are interested in breakthroughs in their relationship sure. and you've gotten to experience that. How did all of this deep work and nervous system repair improve your relationship? How do you see a difference now in how you show up with her? So that romantic relationship has probably been my biggest area for growth and full transparency is being safe to be loved and, and receive love which of course determines my ability to give love in return. And so the safer I feel within myself, within my nervous system to be able to let love in, hence the title of the book, receive love, the more I'm able to give that love back to her in return, which of course just further builds the intimacy, the connection and the love that we experience in the relationship. And so that's why for me this doing this work, it has become a lifestyle. And I would suggest that it it needs to, you know, if you really want to get in shape, if you want to build muscle on some level to a certain degree, it has to become a lifestyle. Otherwise, you're not going to see continuous improvement, consistent growth over time. The same is true when it comes to this. In fact, our brains are wired to a victim mindset. And so, for both her and myself, we've committed to growth and healing as a lifestyle because while we're healing from the past, we're simultaneously experiencing new wounds in the present. And, and so it's this ongoing process. In the Bible, it's called sanctification. In nature, it's called evolution. And so we just see this as, as a part of our daily life, our daily living, if you will. So that we can continue to build the love, intimacy, and connection between us. That's beautiful. I love that you just use those as synonyms, the growth mindset, evolution, sanctification. So thank you, Jake, for coming on. And we want to know now all about the book. Tell us. Tell us all about it. Where can we find it? All the details we need to know. Great question. So you can find the book. You can buy the ebook at jacobkaufman.com backslash ebook. However, you can also find the paperback version available starting Monday, April 24th. Not sure when this episode is going to be dropping, but you can buy both the Kindle version. You don't need a Kindle to be able to read it. To clarify, you can read it on your iPad, on your iPhone. That'll be available amazon.com as well. Paperback version as well, all available through Amazon. Awesome. And then where can people find you, whether it is women listening or wanting to share you with their husbands? What's the easiest place they can find you? My Instagram is the best place to find me, which is I am Jake Kaufman, K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N. Otherwise, you can go to my website, which is my full name, jacobkaufman.com. And again, you can find the book at jacobkaufman.com backslash ebook. But those would be the best places to, to find and interact with me. Thanks, Jake, so much for your time today. I loved this conversation and we're going to have to do a round two. Thanks, Becky. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today. I love and appreciate you so much. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. 
and leave us a rating or review to help others find the show. To learn more about working with me or joining the I Do Breakthrough community, head over to my Instagram at Rebecca Lee Aste, where you can learn all about my program in my bio. And please send me a DM with your takeaway from today. I'd be honored to connect and know what landed for you. I hope you have an amazing day and I'll chat with you next week.